welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I am joined by Vikings actor and activist Georgia Hurst. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming to my little divorce social party. I feel honoured. So you are not divorced, but you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I would actually wouldn't mind being divorced because it would have at least meant that I got married or got asked to be married. Um, As of yet, I've not had a proposal I don't know if my boyfriend um, will listen to this, but this is for you. Um, No, I'm joking. (laughs) Not really. Yeah, no, I'm not divorced. I'm not married. But you have had some big breakups. Yeah, very. (laughs) So we're going to talk about one in particular. So this is when you are younger. Do you want to take us to how it ended? We were together for about three, three and a half years. We lived together and, you know, The thing is, I was in a relationship that I was very young and I was still didn't have much experience in serious relationships. And he was a bit older than me and had a lot of real life things going on. So we were just mismatched. We just was like, he was living a totally different life. He should have been with a much older girl. So when it ended, he basically was not being faithful to me and also he had very bad anger problems from a last relationship that really kind of scarred him and affected him deeply things probably that he couldn't say to me because I was young and I didn't want anything I didn't want to talk about serious things like I was being like hedonistic and I just wanted to be like a fun loving actor so I think truthfully we didn't communicate at all about anything real it was like love you love you loads it was all very surface It sort of boiled down to, I think, the day I decided to leave. He went out with his friend for drinks and his laptop was open on the bed. And I remember just thinking, 
which is not a good thing to do, guys. I don't recommend it because once you open that door, it's really hard to close it. And in my relationships since then, I've always had that feeling then if someone's phone is open or if they're, they're not on their phone. I've always been tempted to look, which is bad, very bad. But we, I feel like we've all been there, though. I've been cheated on in the past. Mm-hmm. You get to that stage where you just know deep down and then you're like, I need to check so that I know I'm not going mad so yeah Yeah. I've done that I've checked yeah someone said to me once you're always going to find something you don't like I actually think my boyfriend now said that to me he was like you'll never you'll always find something you don't like because you could take it a number of different ways if I messaged a random girl you know about my company or something you'd probably find that irritating as well so the best thing is not to look. But of course, the laptop was open and I had to look. I, already there were things going wrong. So I obviously felt there was a need to check it. And sure enough, his Skype was open and he was having several relationships with kind of virtual. The thing is, I never really got down to the bottom of the extent of it. Whether he was meeting these people in person, I don't know. I'm assuming probably but I basically found all of these messages and he'd been having sort of online relationships with people um like on my birthday and you know on Christmas day um who has time for that you should be opening presents and drinking wine instead you're on zoom or skype um so I was alarmed to say the very least and I packed my things and left but to be honest it wasn't that wasn't the last time I left I kind of came back four or five times and for some reason just felt I couldn't get the muster the strength to leave after that like it was almost like I didn't want to believe it was true and whenever I'd confront him he'd be like babe it's an error on the computer it's a virus do you really think I'd be talking to those people and I'd be like no yeah no of course like we live together like obviously why would you message them and then I kind of go home and think about it and be like what an idiot like how could I possibly have believed him so it just took that final time for me to be like I've got to go and unfortunately because he was a little bit angry and I wasn't sure I just I I was maybe I didn't have the balls to do it face to face you know just admitting it I basically he was at work and I got my dad to drive up to London and just do a sweep of the apartment we just packed everything in we didn't know when he was going to be home so we were both like oh quick quick and we packed everything as quickly as we could we bundled into the car and um we left and that was it and then I had several phone conversations with him and I went back to work I did Vikings and probably three or four months afterwards I came back to London and that was the only time we really sat down face to face and had a conversation about it and I know in retrospect he was so happy that it ended as well but I felt I couldn't which is a bad thing as well but I just felt I couldn't say it to his face I was scared of his reaction and I was scared that I was probably going to cave and go back again so I had to get out of there as quickly as I possibly could. Wow so you you said that with your dad you were like bundling up the apartment like quick he's going to come home what were you scared of? You know he was a really physically big guy and I think I was just not sure in his the mental place he was at because I know if he had been happy he wouldn't have been doing those things you know it was very obvious that there were things going on in his life um, that made him were making him very unhappy so I knew that his he was not mentally in the right space and I to be honest kept thinking like just the sheer size of him whatever he could do might actually really hurt me is what I just kept thinking 
by mistake even maybe, but I just didn't want to take that risk. And when people are upset as well, they're unpredictable. If you just get dumped by your long-term partner, of course, I would feel the same way. I, I don't know how I would act. So we were just like, you know, and I was fearful. So we just said quickly, let's take the bags and let's just go and get out of there. So you were scared that he might hurt you? Yeah. Physically? Yeah. And how was that feeling knowing that? Because you obviously loved this person because you kept going back and wanted to believe, you know, the virus stories, which is understandable. I think we all, you know, we all want to believe that actually, no, they love us and there's nothing going on. But how did it feel also having that, oh, I'm actually a bit scared of him and what he might do? Well, it's funny because I speak to my friends about it now and no matter what happened between us, I've never, ever felt any bad blood towards him. I've always sort of felt kind of indifferent about our past. And I think that is because I know he was in a really, really bad place. And I think that's how I forgave a lot of his behaviour and why, even though I was scared and intimidated of him, I didn't think it was really who he was because I knew he was a good person. He had an amazing family and I knew that's not how, you know, he was, that's not how he would be if he was in the right frame of mind. So yeah, of course at the time it's distressing when someone loves you, but they're hurting you even emotionally. But I knew it wasn't him. It was like he was like taken over by someone because he was in a really dark place. So I still look back at those times and think like, I'm glad I got out, but I don't feel angry towards him at all, which, as I said, a lot of my friends are always like, oh, God, what an arsehole for treating, like for cheating, like whatever, doing whatever. But I don't feel that way. I just feel glad that I got out. That's so interesting. Do you think you're excusing what he did or taking the blame yourself? Because obviously you shouldn't. It's not your fault. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's a part of that or if it's just that I feel because I took control of the situation and I left, I had that upper hand. And in a way, I sort of left, I left him really when he was in a like feeling like dog shit, basically. And I just moved on with my life. And because we'd had such a rocky road with sort of, you know, worries about infidelity and stuff, I sort of mourned our relationship probably about six months before it ended. So when I finally had the courage to walk out the door, I was completely over it. So I think it was just that, I don't know if it's excusing his behaviour, but I kind of sort of wasn't even really there. Like I was maybe selfishly already in my mind planning the rest of my life without him. And that's not me feeling guilty, but it just meant that I had checked out and I didn't, I don't think I really cared, to be honest, by the end. So maybe it's just that I didn't have much feeling, that I didn't feel angry at him. Maybe it was just I felt numb and I didn't really feel much and I probably feel the same way now. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to wanting to leave and then going back and it's such a difficult decision to make. What do you think gave you the courage to finally make that decision and leave? I knew that ultimately he was not going to probably stop his behaviour because I'd flagged it up to him before and nothing had changed. It And to be honest, when he left his laptop there, I just thought like, you're not even hiding it. 
Like you're just waiting for me to find it almost. And I think maybe there was a part of him that would rather I put him out of his misery rather than like always finding things, always confronting him. Like that was draining for everyone. And I just knew at the end of the day, like we loved each other dearly. I don't think we were in love with each other. I'm not sure we fancied each other by the end. He was always like, oh, you're so cute. I love you. And I remember just saying to my friends, like, does your boyfriend find you like really cute? Just like, that's all he'll ever say. Not like, oh, you look really sexy in that dress. Just like cute. You're so cute. I was like, I think we might just be like best mates that are living together. And I just thought we're probably not going to fall in love again now. Like after everything, there's just no way. So, I mean, I didn't tell anyone that this was happening. Like anyone in my family no one knew till I called my dad that day and said like we have to get my stuff and everyone was like we had no idea this was going on none of my friends because I knew if I told anyone anyway that I found things on his computer everyone would have said leave go like get out what are you doing and I I wasn't ready obviously to hear that and to leave so the day that I had made my decision I then told everyone because I knew we weren't going to go back and my family were not going to let me go back there once they found out it's interesting that you say that you didn't tell your family and friends because you knew they'd tell you to leave and you didn't want to hear that. I can definitely relate to that. You know, when bad stuff's going on, you're like, oh, I don't want to tell them because then everything might go really well again. And then they'll have that like memory. They'll of, never forget. Yeah. How did they react when you did tell them? I remember it as clear as day. Like we came home and my mum like poured me a glass of champagne and we all sat in the sitting room and I said, guys, I need you to sit down. I need to tell you some things. And I told them everything like start to finish. And they were so, so shocked. Uh, but not as shocked as you might think. Like none of us, like, you know how I said that I don't feel very angry still. I think my parents weirdly don't either. Like none of us felt really angry at him. They just felt happy that I was out of it and out of there. So you had what sounds like a, a very intense relationship and breakup. And none of your family knew until you left. So how did you go about recovering from that intensity? Well, I think because I'd sort of mentally checked out quite a long time before, it sort of made it easier when I left. But I, I think, to be honest, the way I recovered from it, I would not recommend. Because <laughs> I, was, I hadn't been single in a long time. I was filming a TV show called The Vikings. And I just basically drunk and snogged people. Just snogged or sexed people yeah. too? Snogged a lot of people. Okay. okay. Snogged a lot of people. I think, honestly, I was, I felt very traumatised from what had happened with my ex. So I definitely did not want a relationship. Like that, that I was absolutely sure of. So I snogged a lot of people before you know, while I was sort of recovering, but I was in that blur of like, I haven't been single for so long. I'm so excited. I've been drinking all the time, having such a good time partying. But you know, the thing I think, well, I know if it was now, that is the opposite way I would ever deal with anything. I mean, drinking, first of all, makes you feel like shit anyway. I would say even if you're in a good mood, but I was obviously numbing. I obviously felt like I was fine and I was having a good time, but I was numbing the pain of what I was feeling. If I'd probably sat in my feelings, I would have probably felt a certain type of way. Like I think after six months of having fun and partying, I went to breakfast with my sister and she was like, how are you? 
And I just like burst into tears because I don't think anyone had asked me how I was because I'd been out and about partying and no one had asked me because I was acting fine. And when she asked me, I just was like, oh my God, like I'm single and I've been with this person for years and I, I've totally just realised that I'm, haven't, I'm not with them anymore. So I think that was the wrong way of going about it. If I had been in my right mind and if I'm ever down now or if anything ever happens that throws me off kilter... I always stop drinking and I, I mean, exercises come and go for me, but I love to do Pilates and spin and stuff. And I always come home. I mean, whether it's your friends or your family, I always surround myself. Normally I come home to the countryside to see my family and I just take two or three weeks off or a month off doing anything. And I just kind of allow myself to feel everything that I might feel and just don't drink the night away. That's what I would suggest. But that's everyone's go-to. But I also actually, one other thing that I remember doing when I was a bit sad after my very first breakup, like my first real serious grown-up relationship that I had um, at school, he broke my heart. He dumped me over the phone. It was really sad. I remember that. I didn't get over for about two years. And I did the same thing. I came home to my family. I stopped drinking, but I still cried every day. And I remember one night saying like, oh, I'm no, I don't know how I'm going to get over this. And then I remember thinking, Jennifer Aniston got over Brad Pitt <laughs> and I can get over this fucking asshole that dumped me after like eight months together. I was like, snap out of it. So I'd watch loads of videos before I'd go to bed. I type up like celebrity breakups and I would look at all of their interviews. And I remember Jennifer Aniston doing one with Oprah. And I remember just saying like, this feeling is really universal. Like I know I feel like I'm the only person that feels this because I'm the only one that's dated him and I know his, who he is and how this feels. But I was like, this feeling is like universal. Like people get married and have kids and break up and they, life goes on. So I think the message really was just that life will go on however long it takes. It, and it did go on and I'm right here now and I'm fine. I love that. I love that you looked up celebrity breakup. That's my top tip when any of my girlfriends break up with someone. I always send them that Oprah and Jennifer Aniston interview. Was there anything you remember in particular from that interview that like stuck with you? I think because she's Jennifer Aniston and it was Brad Pitt, everyone assumes that she would be like on the floor, would never be able to get up again. It would be like the worst crushing heartbreak. And Oprah was just like, how are you? And she was like, I'm good. Like, I'm actually good. Like, I've got really good friends. Like, I love yoga. I love having, like, getting, having drunk nights with my friends. Um, and she was like, I'm actually, like, people are surprised, but I'm good. Like, it's taken me a while. And I guess having such a high profile breakup, she, she still gets asked about Brad Pitt to this day, which is 10 times worse than what anyone else is going to face. Um, but she was just glowing and strong. And I just remember seeing like her and obviously she was probably hurting because it sucked to talk about and it was it's awful having to dredge up like memories from your ex. But that was she was like, this is the last time I'm going to talk about it. But I'm OK, like I'm good. I'm working through it. And I remember just thinking like it's taken time for her. But she's good and she will be even better in a couple of months and a year. So I love that you like just found a kinship with Jennifer Aniston and the Brad Pitt breakup. Me and Jen, mm, we're so similar. 
Um, obviously her physique is like really similar to mine as well. So, <laughs> And her hair. The hair. Yeah, feathered hair. I love that. Well, I'm going to have to find this interview and we'll share it on social media so other yeah. people can find the joy of glowing Jennifer. <laughs> I, I think it's really funny you say about like going out and drinking a lot. And obviously, you know, I I definitely did that too. And I call it my sexual explosion. Um, and I think obviously we were in a privileged position to both of us be able to do that and not kind of have all the responsibility of having children or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. I do look back though, because I know you said that's not how you should get over a breakup. I do, do look back and I did really enjoy my sexual explosion. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's breakup's different. Um and I think it also depends how old you are, how long you've been with the person. Like, it's all so relative, isn't it? I just know for me, I have a really good way of just bottling up feelings. Like, I can get on with life, like, very easily. I can go to work the next day after something terrible's happened. I can pretty much function as normal. Like, I'm very good at putting things to the side. And so for me, it was just more, I was masking, just sitting in my feelings. And for me if I could just sit in them and feel them, I'd be over it a hell of a lot quicker than I just delayed it for six months, basically. Whereas I could have just been in the moment. But I agree, I had a great time and I don't regret it. And I got to enjoy, you know, my early 20s being single and having fun. So no regrets. But I think, and as you get older, you learn what works for you better than when you're 22. Like I had no clue what I was doing. But I think I delayed the pain process for a lot longer than I should have done and of course after the six months I felt sad and I met up with him again and I got with him again after the six months because it had taken me that long to realise like oh I, I miss him and I love him whereas if I'd just been able to heal I wouldn't have probably even gone back there and caused a whole nother situation yeah it's interesting isn't it because I think I definitely really enjoyed that time but again I was putting off all my feelings I was just going crazy and yeah I was definitely going out and drinking too much and it is interesting that we turn to alcohol that, that's quite a common thing of like going out late drinking you know partying it's much easier than saying I'm gonna sit with myself and think about and also it. it's it feels fun in the moment and it looks fun. So you can say to everyone, look, I'm fine. I'm having loads of fun. Whereas inside you're like hearts rotting away. And also it gets like to 2am and you're really drunk and you want someone to ring and you probably end up bringing your ex or you end up doing texting around and boy or whatever. And it's just, you feel then very empty. And yeah. that's the feeling that I hated was like, it's really fun in the moment. It's just the aftermath of like, fuck, I'm alone. But actually, then you learn to love being alone. But it's just sometimes that party drink cycle that you get like stuck in a loop means that you can't enjoy then those times on your own because you feel like a bag of dicks, basically, and you feel hungover and you feel like shit. So now I would say I would just have given myself a bit of a break and actually enjoyed that time alone because I wanted to be alone. I didn't want to be in a relationship. That's, you know, for me, I, I dumped him. So I had the upper hand in a sense that I wasn't dumped as such you know which is which is a different experience completely yeah it's interesting though because I've done the dumping in the past and I would say been just as upset as if I've been dumped I think it's obviously different if it's out of the blue dumping but if you both sort of know things aren't going well well I've only ever dumped one person the rest of the time I've always been dumped pretty much so how would you say it's different 
dumping and being dumped? I mean, being dumped, I think there's also an ego thing that's like, oh, oh, what? How could you? How very dare you? Um, But I do think when it comes, when I've dumped, I did put a lot of thought into it. Like it took me a while to come to that decision. Like I, I wasn't just impulsive. Like I've never just dumped anyone off the cuff, like made a decision, then regretted it. I knew what I was going to do, which meant that I had time to get it, to heal a bit more than the other person who for them, it is just, it feels out of the blue. Um, but being dumped, it, it sucks. It does suck. Let's just face the facts here. It sucks. A mutual breakup would also suck, I assume. It all sucks. Relationships kind of suck, to be honest. They're painful. They're lovely, but so excruciating. Even, even when it's going well, it's excruciating. I mean, the whole thing. Why, why is it excruciating when it's going well? When you're so in love with someone, you're, you feel stuck because you're like, well, no matter what they do, I'm going to feel something. So I'm going to be hurt, even if it's like they go away with friends on boys weekend or they go out for dinner and they don't invite me. You're just like, it all hurts because lo- I'm in love. So as soon as you're in love, you're like, well, I like to call it in my family. I'm sure people call it this, um, but the dick sand. Yeah. So we all have been in the dick sand at some stage or another. But you know, when you fall in love, I just go to my mum like, I'm in the dick sand. Like, I'm in big trouble. Like, I'm not getting out of this. And the idea is that you're slowly, it's like quicksand and you're slowly sinking. Yeah. You can't get out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website the divorce social.com 
And you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S. And it starts at £2 a month. And we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. So what advice would you give someone who can relate to your story of your breakup? And maybe they're still trying to decide whether to leave or not. Or maybe not advice, but words of wisdom. I would say that there are, in this world, I believe everything happens for a reason. But I don't believe there's one person out there for everyone. And I believe that right place at the right time, there are hundreds of people in the world that you could fall in love with, have an amazing connection with, have great sex with, really fancy be an amazing dad, amazing husband, amazing boyfriend, whatever, amazing girlfriend. And I think don't be afraid that just because you found a connection with one person, that it's that's the only person you're ever going to have that connection with. Because I can tell you that after my exes, I always felt like that was it. I was never going to meet anyone who I could be myself with and be weird with and like, oh, I'm never going to meet a guy. And then as soon as you stop trying... I know it's the old cliche, but as soon as you stop trying, it happens so much more naturally and you'll find someone that's so much more suited for you. So I would just say, for me, I'm always afraid of being alone. I want to have kids. I want to get married. So my, I was always a bit, to be honest, quite desperate. And I would just say, don't be afraid that you're not going to get that connection again. If you're not happy in a relationship, the chances are unless it's something that's easily rectified. If it's something like my relationship, which to be honest, there was a lot of bad blood. It probably wasn't going to get any better. You're better off not wasting your own time and their time and just putting yourself out of the misery and having some time to yourself to heal. And there are plenty more fish in the sea. It's something my mum would say to me, but it's so true. There's so many people out there and don't be afraid to be alone because actually being alone is really lovely. What are your favourite things to do alone? I love to exercise, really boring. I've got really into Pilates and that really like centres me. And um, I mean, I'm not bendy. You should see me doing it. It's like I make it sound like I could do these ridiculous (laughs) moves. I'm absolutely stiff as a freaking board. Um, It's not sexy at all. But that makes me feel really good. And I really love to spend time with my family. I mean, I am literally obsessed with my family and every single time I can spend time with them, like my little brother is, I just live vicariously through him. He's like at, he's 22. So I am enjoying very much watching his life. It's very amusing. And I love to eat. If I ever feel lonely, I'll take myself out to a restaurant, take myself out for a meal. I love, I love eating by myself and listen to a good podcast and uh, sometimes even drive like I'll drive around if I feel really like lost or down or even in a really good mood I'll get in the car and go take myself out to get like a takeaway coffee I think not being afraid of yourself and not being afraid to be by yourself is a really good thing obviously you don't want to be by yourself all the time like lockdown was horrible for so many people but to actually treat yourself like you would like as if you'd go on a date with someone take yourself on a little date get a massage take yourself to get your nails done sounds small but all those things and that time with yourself just gives you that little bit of like recentering and 
I love to to give myself a little date night. I mean, why not? You've only got your, the truth is you've only got yourself. And I know this sounds really pessimistic, but how am I going to say this without insulting like everyone in the world who is male um, <laughs> and who has a cock and balls? I don't really trust men, to be honest. I think like, like, I think you only have yourself. You only know your own intentions and you only know what you're capable of doing. You just don't, you can't control someone else. So it's not about not trusting. It's just, you don't know what someone else is thinking, what someone else is going to do. So the only person you really ever have is yourself. Even if you're in a marriage that's really happy or a relationship that's really happy, you really only have yourself because you can only trust yourself really. And you can only be in control of yourself. You don't want to control anyone else. So I would say, look after yourself because ultimately that's who you're with for life like through the ups and downs. So look after yourself, protect yourself. That's so great. I totally agree with that. How do you think you learned to look after yourself? Because you're, you're quite um, young in the scheme of world and life. And I think it takes a lot of people a long time to realise these things. So how do you think you've got to this point of knowing to love yourself and to treat yourself nicely? I think probably from past relationships um, that were all quite intense at quite a young age that was definitely something that taught me to look after myself and protect myself I think also being in the industry you are constantly like under scrutiny being criticized told you're too fat told you're not pretty enough your nose is too big you're not good enough you're not funny enough you're not clever enough whatever and I think for me even sometimes not with relationships but with work I also have to protect myself and know and you know what it's like. You have to know your own worth. Like you're being rejected the whole time by casting directors left, right and centre. I have to know that I'm worth more. So I've probably filtered some of that energy into my personal life and into my relationships. But it's taken me a while to get there. But probably being in the industry has taught me that a lot quicker than most people my age. But I always, I mean, as a kid, I was very mature. Like my mum always said, I was in the pram like saying like, nice shoes, nice nails. <laughs> my mum was like, this is very bizarre. She's four. My dad was like, I don't, I don't know. So I always wanted to be a grown up, basically. I was always just like an adult before my time. So I think probably that's just me feeling a bit, being a bit grown up for my age. But I think also because I throw so much into relationships, I have to always remind myself like, think about yourself. Because I naturally just give everything to the other person. I'm like, take everything. Like move into my house, I'll buy everything, which is bad, but that is naturally what I do. And I ha that's why I have to always remind myself, like, actually, you're losing yourself here and rein myself in. And having a big family helps. Um, and lots of sisters who, who notice I'm doing it and are like, come back, you're doing it again. And they give me some like stern talks, but I need that reeling back. Like when you're in a relationship you feel like love that's like the only thing that matters it's like all encompassing it surrounds you and it's all you can think about it's like suffocating but just because you love someone doesn't mean it's like the right person like I could be in love with a brick wall if someone gives me a compliment I pretty much am in love I'm like oh yeah that's all right you'll do um like literally it's as simple as that I'm such a cheap day and it takes so very little so just because you're in love with someone does not mean that that person is the right person and I hear so many of my friends be like, but I love him. And I'm like, but really, that doesn't mean anything because you could love a number of things. So just be conscious that that feeling of love, it makes it feel like right. But you have to sort of switch off that feeling if you can to just like think logically and make some, a lot of the time I make like a list if I'm confused. I would make a list of like 
I know, don't make this like the Friends Ross pros and cons list that he made <laughs> about Rachel. Don't go down that route. But I would always like make a list of things that I really wanted. What was my priority? What I look for in a person and just try and be a bit rational because the love side can take over and it, that makes you do crazy things. But in my opinion, you could love anyone. Like love is, is neither here nor there, in, in my opinion. So try if you can, if you're struggling with making a decision or with what you should do, sort of trying to dial down that sort of intense love thing and thinking like, let's be practical, like just put your practical pants on and think about what it is that potentially you're missing or you're looking for that you're not getting because that that is another, you know, good decider for you if you're struggling it's interesting because we've spoken on the podcast before about you know there's this love will conquer all kind of idea and I've spoken to people and I don't believe I used to believe that and I don't believe that now because I did love you know my ex-husband and I don't think love is enough at the end how do you view that kind of Disney idea of love? Did you ever believe that love would conquer all? I'm still quite like traditional and I'm very romantic. So I definitely would love the idea of being married once, having the perfect kids, living in a nice house. Like I am quite traditional in that sense, much more than my family who are very untraditional. They don't care if I get married. They don't care if I have kids, whatever. They're like easy. Um, They expect us all to get probably married in a registry office with a pair of jeans on because that's what they did. But I'm a lot more traditional in that way. And yeah, I always kind of hope for that. But equally, I'm such a realist. And I see friends having the perp, like be with a guy for two years. He's amazing. He picks them up from nights out. They're already engaged. They live in a house together, which is, and that does happen for some people. But the point is just not to compare yourself. That's not necessarily real. That doesn't necessarily mean their relationship's going to last because it looks perfect from the outside. I want someone who really I fancy and really fancies me and is really funny and is just a really good person and wants to have like a whole football team of kids with me. And however that might look, I'm okay with that. And whatever kind of time, whether we get have kids first or ma- get married first, whatever, I'm not so fussed about the logistics, but that's ultimately what I want. I don't know, care if it comes in like a pretty package. I'm cool with just finding someone who I really connect with. So yeah, I'm traditional. I hope for all of that, but I don't want a Disney prince ending. Like I, I don't need a fairy tale particularly. I don't think that's, I don't think that would be, good to talk about I need some gossip to come on podcasts <laughs> like this and talk about and the fairy tale yeah. is just not going to get me the goss yeah it's funny I think a lot of people assume that my marriage was that kind of Disney oh lovely and then you got engaged and then you got a house and obviously it didn't work out yeah I like that you said that you don't want that Disney but you do want a football field of children and I I, <laughs> I sincerely hope you get your uh, football team. Me too. Pray for my vagina. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thank you. How do you feel now that you, you know, looking back at what we were talking about at the beginning, you got out of that difficult relationship, you've changed your opinion on, you know, that Disney idea of love and you're kind of into treating yourself and spending time alone with yourself. How do you look back at that whole experience now? I think it was an amazing experience really weirdly everything I go through that's bad um or great I think all builds character and 
it was horrible, obviously, at the time, but I wouldn't be who I was now or know so much of what I know now if I hadn't been through it and wouldn't have been able to give such good advice to my friends or my family if I hadn't been through it. So, and as an actor, to have a kind of pool of shit that you can pull from is never a bad thing, to be very brutally honest. It usually helps a lot. So I try and just think that, you know, I'm okay that it happened. I'm glad that I got out of it and that I'm, you know, I'm not in a relationship like that anymore. But I think it's shaped me as a person and you know, I don't wish it never happened. Like I'm, I'm okay that that was how it ended and that's how it went down. And I just know now what I don't look for. Like I know what to avoid. That has given me a strong list of like, if any of the guys I date do any of those number of things, I can't date you. So it's, it's really tunnel visioned me in the right direction, I think. But I mean, it was an experience. It's a story. It's a story. I like that. And don't give it any more weight than that. As no, the exactly. That you went through. I don't know if that's the right way to think of it. Like, I'm, I, I, I ha- the thing is, I, I have to make light of situations. That's just the way I cope with things. It's just the way I recover. So I have to take the piss out of myself and out of the situation or else God knows where I'd be in a ditch somewhere. Well, the comedian and me 100% agrees. Thank you so much. This has been such a joy to talk to you. What are you doing next and where can people follow you online and find you? Well, my Instagram is just ghurst, G-E-E Hurst. And I post lots of my kind of collaborations and day-to-day stuff on there. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I might just say it anyway. I I've just, I'm in a music video for a singer called Callum Scott, which should be coming out in the next week or so. And that was a really cool acting role, really exciting, very emotional, but um, it was incredible to work with him. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And if anyone is listening who is a casting director um, or a writer, give me a job. Uh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
I'm available. So that's that, really. And she's very good. So you should give her a job. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.